1991 Movie Rewind, a podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991, from the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between. We rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the depths of Grunty Video. Join us in our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watched Rockadoodle. Rockadoodle, Chanticleer the Rooster, played by Glenn Campbell, falls victim to the Duke of Owls, played by Christopher Plummer, and is ousted from his farm. The sun no longer rises, and the constant rain floods the home of little boy Edmund, played by Toby Ganger, who gets turned into a cat by the Duke. Edmund must team up with the other farm dwellers to find Chanticleer in the big city so he can call the sun back. Screenplay by David N. Weiss, directed by Don Bluth, Gary Goldman, and Don Kunstler, and released in the United Kingdom on August 2nd, 1991. Have you seen Rocket Doodle before? I don't think I have. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I'm almost positive I have. Okay. This is maybe the third movie <laughs> yeah, <not laughs> where many. You, you've seen that I haven't. Not many. Um, it, it's going to sound weird to, to say this because they're completely different in subject matter, but I, like, I know I've seen Rover Dangerfield, but I don't 100% know if I've seen Rockadoodle, um, both 1991 movies. Uh, I'm pretty sure I've seen this, but it's, it's forgettable. It's a forgettable movie. Yeah, I don't remember <clears throat> any of this stuff. I thought maybe I did, but... I'm just going to say no, cause, <laughs> but then after watching it this time, I still feel like... Did, you didn't no. see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it just like completely erased out of my mind. It's, okay, the movie's super short, and yeah. that doesn't help in a way, and with how fast-paced it is, like... It's... I don't care if it's short, it's just like, this could have been... Like a TV movie? At times it feels like one because there are weird transitions to these scenes where you fade out to black and then come back into another scene and it seems like, like it's, it's a, a television commercial, commercial break. break. Yeah. It both needs to be either longer or shorter. There's a lot of scenes in here that don't make sense even with the narration. Like the progression of events just doesn't really make sense as to why certain people are doing certain things or how they got to certain locations in the first place like why are we worrying about these side characters stuff like that is missing so it could be longer to flesh out that at the same time some of the scenes that are in here are so long um in comparison and extremely boring all of these gags that we see in this cartoon it's just the stereotypical stuff that you see everywhere that you've seen for the past like you know since animation started basically that's why um i was like this is just recycled animation from other movies that don bluth did because even the uh, the duke of owls the grand duke uh-huh he looked like the mean owl guy <laughs> the mean owl that's in the secret of nim mm. like the same animation but maybe less scary same character models yeah i, I mean i know it's the same i mean i know that's a don bluth movie yeah they're and both he's don like, but a lot of the even the mouse I, i'm that's why i was like did i see this or, or am i just thinking that i saw like secret of nim because I know I saw that, because that movie, like, kind of freaked me out when I was little. And I actually haven't seen Street oh. Superman. Uh, or if I have, it was so long ago that I completely blocked it from my memory. The, yeah, I mean, like, it's it's not uncommon for character models to be basically recycled for any animation studio. 
or for them to be like if if you have a mouse then you want to have it consistently look as a mouse across all of the studio's productions that makes sense Disney, but it's like Disney similar does it too. character even Patu the hound he was like the dog in Five Goes West right yeah which actually wasn't a Don Bluth movie but but they look alike it came from American Tale One which was so. Yeah, I, I definitely get it. There's there's that little, that's unfortunate balance where you'd want to try to keep the character models in the same style that the studio has, but you also need to have these characters be different enough to be recognizable as their own thing. That can be tough. Even something like Goldie, who is this... Uh, she's like a golden pheasant. Yeah, she's, she's this pheasant who's like the love interest type of person for Chanticleer, and we'll get into the names in a second here, um, like, her outfit is Princess Daphne's outfit from Dragon's Lair. Mm. Like, there's no difference except for the color. <laughs> so, I, you know, like, even that part is kind of just, like... Taking things yeah. from other movies. And, and here's the thing. I don't want to say that Don Bluth is lazy or his animation studios are lazy, because there's definitely... Um, there's definitely a lot of effort that goes into this, but it is repetitive if you've seen other stuff that he's done. I know, I was reading up about, you know, the production of this. Like, it just seemed kind of, like, rushed. And, um, like, even just with the amount of money that was going into it, they, they wanted to re release this earlier. I mean, this was released in the UK. Uh-huh. In 91, but it didn't come into the U.S. until April of 92. But they wanted to release it in the U.S. by, like, Thanksgiving. And it was just, like, not enough funds. Which is so weird, because, I mean, if Which, you released it in another country I, before, I, like, then the movie is done. So yeah. I guess the, the funds would just be to finance the prints and distribution. In and they didn't the have US. that in time. Yeah, and then I guess it was just like a lot of test screenings where um, it was overly sexual. Like he made, I was just reading so much stuff. Like the, yeah, like Goldie was too sexualized. Too sexualized. Which again, and like then, Princess Daphne was the yeah. sexualized. Yeah, the, and character then in Jack Dragon's it shows that like she was designed after Jessica Rabbit, trying to look like her. Okay. And test screenings were saying that it was too sexual and then there was like certain scarier parts they thought that the duke was scary <laughs> so they wanted to make him less scary and then there was something else where i guess they didn't even have any narration at all so they had to include the narration from patu to make it make sense and boy did they add a lot of narration well, I mean, it's like I understand. Overly narrated in a sense. I think maybe because people are like, "What's going on now?" <laughs> like they needed Fatu to be like, "Okay, now we're doing this." Yeah, and I say it's overly narrated, but I also just said a couple minutes ago that it still doesn't make sense as to why certain characters are in certain places at certain times, yeah. or why we even care to go back to like Stewie, the pig who's at the house, like standing guard for the owls. Like what? What were the owls going to do in an already flooded home? Like, why do they have to be there? Mm. Like, that doesn't make sense. And there's, like, this weird time mechanic of them, like, with the flashlight and the batteries. And, like, oh, when the batteries run out, then the owls are going to eat them. Like, okay, fine. But, like, uh, why are they there in the first place instead of, like, at the farm or, like, I don't know. Like, like none of that makes sense. And, like, the the um, hunch, the the bird who's there to annihilate, and he always, you yeah. know, messes up the word annihilate. Like, I don't really care about the side character. I guess it's meant to add, like, a little bit of extra danger, but he's alone yeah, all the time. And how did he find them all the time? Like, he he's following them in some way to be, like, the town crier or something. Yeah, like, I understood how... For the owls. I, I it's like, go follow them and well, he's, tell he's me their whereabouts. Well, he's meant to kill them. Yeah. He's meant to kill. He's meant to annihilate. Yeah, but he doesn't. He just, like, goes back to the Duke and says, oh... he's a doofus. Yeah, and he's like, oh, they're here now. And the owl's like, well, go fucking get them. I don't know. Right. 
That's that's a line from the movie. Go yep. fucking get yep. him. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, that tested very well. That was a very good. Uh, anyway, so uh, th- th- I don't know. It just feels like it's shat out. It and it's not the animation side. I think is the strongest, but it's not helped by anything else. Like the story is is blah. Um, the music because this is a musical is it drags the movie down and if you took away some of those songs this could be like a 20 minute like short 15 minute short yeah um yeah there were certain songs where i was so confused there's no I was catchy like, why ones. Are they... there's no like yeah. interesting ones and like most of them are completely not antithetical, but they have nothing to do with the plot at all. Like, even just when the when the owl, the duke, is singing too, when he's doing, he doesn't like rock and roll music, so he's playing like classical, and then he has his own little tiny part with him and his owls. Yeah. And I was like, just why though? And, and yeah, some of the songs are like super little quick, just to have a little melody. Yeah. Yeah. And like the melodies are whatever; they're just very basic and so is the rhyming scheme too and there's a lot of repeated words i don't know like one of the songs is like half of the lyrics are ha 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 no batteries you know (laughs) well yeah we can even just at the end credits (laughs) yeah there's a whole song about tying about tying your shoes and that was in my head for two days but but now it's not in my head and i it's been gone. I, yeah, I, thank God it's it gone. It's gone immediately. But just anything. tying your... Sh- it's literally just talking about how to tie your shoes, but life is also like tying your shoes. And the whole thing about tying your shoes is like a theme that goes throughout this movie for some reason and has no bearing on anything whatsoever except for to maybe, like, I don't know... Like, Show children how to tie shoes. Yeah, like, treat it like it's an educational experience or something. Yeah. Like but it doesn't actually teach kids how to tie their shoes. It's because it's a song an animated dog. It. Yeah, it's a dog trying to put his shoes on and he doesn't know how to tie his shoes. But it's never a plot point. It's just distraction. Everything is distraction. You have, again, like the, the stupid songs, you have the, the frog bouncers, and they have a little song that's really just saying bounce, bounce, bounce. <laughs> yeah. And, I don't know, the, the whole thing is like, okay, so... We're so, bouncers, we're gonna bounce, bounce, bounce. Bounce, bounce, bounce. That's the whole freaking song, yay. Uh, Chanticleer is, he leaves the farm. I, the, the summary paragraph that I gave is not... You know, 100%. I don't know. Like, the, the plot of the movie is also stupid. The <laughs> um, Chanticleer leaves the farm not because of the Duke of Owls necessarily, but kind of because the Duke of Owls sends a guy to the farm and he, like, fights with Chanticleer and Chanticleer misses his calling of the sun and the sun comes up anyway and so he's exposed as a fraud and the farm hates him for some reason now. They all fucking hate him. For like 10 seconds and they all want him back and then yeah they're like you're a fraud we thought yeah, get the you hell were, out of here you idiot you were the bringer of the sun and then you don't do you shit you don't do anything you're worthless get out of here yeah even though we loved you two minutes ago regardless and uh so he goes off to the big city and he becomes a singing sensation known as the king and he does just you know it's just elvis, elvis. it's yeah. just elvis themed then it turns into stuff, like but not elvis songs but you know in the style of Elvis, yeah. And even those songs are like worthless and not plot progressing at all. Like, who cares about like treasure hunting fever? Why? Why is this a five minute sh- thing? To show the animation in the background, like he's in a undersea world, like in a fish tank, yeah, <laughs> where just... there's treasures stuff floating around because then they have back backup dancers and singers dressed up as fish and sharks yeah i mean it's it's a way to have some visual interest but at the same time like the song is not interesting it's not good it's still the same basic rhyming scheme you know I, i i don't know like it's nothing is all that interesting to me and oh this confused me too when so when 
Chanticleer is now in the city singing Elvis-type songs. He's very loved by the people, and he's racking in a lot of money for this, this the fox. Pinky. Pinky. Yep. And, uh, yeah, and it's... Now it goes into basically how Elvis was treated in real life by his manager just being overutilized and like overworked. Like, you just gotta be on stage singing at all times. Like, don't even sleep. Just keep singing. Here's a lot of money. People love you. Blah, blah, blah. And then you have um, Goldie looking down and like sad because she doesn't have that type of fame. Yeah, and, Goldie's not being given her shot because the king is everything. Yeah. And Pinky doesn't want to have two stars, I guess, or give her a chance. But where did she come from? Because I thought she was also a performer for him. But they first meet at whatever the Under the Sea song. <laughs> yeah. The... yeah that's like the first time that they meet. And I was like... In the middle of this song, like they don't get to rehearse it they beforehand didn't... or anything. Yeah, they or... didn't cross paths and either way that's why i was like wait they don't know each other nope they sure didn't so that's i got so confused by that so yeah but i mean pinky is using goldie because at that point that's when um patu and the crew (laughs) edmund who is the dog patu's the dog and edmund and um peeper is the mouse yeah peeper's the mouse and then the magpie snipes snipes. they all who just come out of nowhere by the way i don't i don't know if they were in the opening scenes where chanticleer gets ousted from the farm but i don't remember seeing them they weren't saying anything until hey let's all gather up a posse and find chanticleer like he just he just appears now yeah, yeah, yeah. He just... Because I was like, well, is... Are they people from that... Are they animals, I should say. Are they animals from that farm? Yep. And I'm assuming yes, because they know Chanticleer and they want to bring him back to the farm because the owls have made it forever dark. Yeah. And, like, taken over. So we gotta save Chanticleer. But, yeah... N- Pinky is using Goldie to get to Chanticleer to, uh, because now he knows that Edmund and Patu and the crew are trying to get Chanticleer and, like, take him back. But, you know, Pinky doesn't want them because he wants his money. So he brings Goldie in to, as a distraction, basically. Right. And But they, is like a fake lover, but then they for real fall in love. <laughs> over like one they they sing one other song and they're like you know living together the yeah kiss and a coup song everything is like yes yeah, just like everything is yeah it, it seems like this happened over like two days or one day i don't even know but everything happens like five minutes later they're in love now they're living together but now we gotta save this, and then this is a dream, and it was weird. Well, we didn't even talk about, like, so it starts off yeah, this, animated. Yeah, speaking of a dream, yeah. Yeah, it starts off animated, but then we get to a point in the beginning where it turns live action, and it's a mother reading this rockadoodle, or the story of Chanticleer, which is a real story yeah by the way kind of i mean this is this is li- loosely this big. is like this is why i don't like about this too like this is a kids movie yeah i i understand that the canterbury tales was probably meant to be kids stories in the middle ages in the 14th century nowadays i don't know about you it's high school reading yeah, I read that in high school. My dad taught but, it in high school. But I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know this. Story. Oh. Because like. Oh I, really? I mean, I look. I did not pay much attention in 
classes high in high school. I like the Canterbury Tales, but I don't want to see like an animated story. Yeah, I get. Yeah, like, I mean, I know that Disney life. had thought about doing it too around the same time, and they yeah. decided not to. This really like, just takes the concept of here's a rooster and here is a fox. The rooster is given the same name, and that's about it. That's really the similarities. There's a lot of because it's written by a French playwright, and a lot of the names it, there are a lot of the Patu is in the original story and is the grand dog in the original or is it one of chanticleer's wives he's a dog i didn't read the entire story because it's like in four acts and it's similar like it's similar to the beginning where it is about a rooster like a fancy rooster who secretly believes that his crowing causes the sun to rise and then one day it doesn't it rises without him and the same thing like the townspeople or the farm shun him out <laughs> but that's like about as it with Rockadoodle yeah, how this isn't it's it, like... compared to the real play or story because I, I looked at a brief summary which you know doesn't really necessarily tell the truth but like you know the summary indicated that Chanticleer basically foresaw his own death Mm-hmm. and was worried about that and then the fox comes through and is like the major villain there's no owls yeah there's no well there is a grand duke owl and okay there are birds owls i don't know if he's like the owl is the bad guy there is a golden pheasant there is patu patu is the the dog okay. so they're using the same names in this story in the movie that's why they're all kind of french but there's no like the edmund character is like no there is all of the human people he's the heroic aspect of chanticleer that's completely missing yeah all the human people are not in the chanticleer play from because chanticleer uses his own smarts to out out fox the fox yeah it's the the story is written by Edmund Rostand, so it could have taken Edmund from the writer sure of Chanticleer. I'm sure it did. And he is, you know, a French poet. He He's mostly known for doing Cyrano de Bergerac, okay. that story. So th- I think they're just taking names, kind of like how Beauty and the Beast took names from the original Beauty and the Beast story stories because it's been iterated so many different ways that they just pluck names from all the lore that's been going on for like two three hundred years i just think it's a bad choice like it's fine if you want to have something of a uh parallel story i don't think if you're making a g-rated kid kids movie that's geared towards people who are like 10 and under yeah well, having I'm your not lead characters named chanticleer and patu is not going to be memorable for them no it's I'm... not going to get the, you know the, the kids like i want to see chanticleer like no one's gonna yeah, no yeah gonna... i want to see the rooster movie right. they're gonna call it that that's why they call it rockadoodle that's why they call it rockadoodle Aside from probably wanting a sequel that they could call Rockadoodle 2. Yeah. Which did not happen. No, and that I, I was also reading that Disney was going to pick this up in the 60s. The, yeah, the, the Canterbury Tales type of a thing. Yeah. But I think they were also looking at doing it in the 90s and then they abandoned it. Yeah, and that's when Don Bluth decided to do so, it. Yeah, this is amazing. But um, it, one of the reasons was because of the rooster. Like Dis- Disney himself, like Walt Disney was like how you how do you find comfort in like a rooster? That's like the character of a rooster. I don't know, like how much different is it than any other animal? Like a fox. Like what's wrong with like foghorn leghorn? You know what I mean? Like Say- I don't have a problem with the rooster character in this at all. I think he like it's his story on the cover, and mm-hmm. but like he's not in it that much. I think it's because it's Glenn Campbell playing the role, and like 
we all know that he's not an actor by trade. He's a singer. And so they don't give him a whole lot of lines. He's pretty much not singing really. everything that he does. And through, like, the main climax of the movie, he's unconscious. So, <laughs> like, I don't have a problem with the character design. Like, I don't, you know, he, a rooster can easily be, like, a heroic type of a creature because he has the puffy chest and he can have that kind of, you know, stuff going on. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the problem. I think the problem is, like, how they utilize the rooster in this story. And they give all this stuff to yeah, this he's not... little kid actor who is also sadly not very, you know, he's, he's what you expect to see when you see child actors. When, when kids do better than what Toby did in this movie, you are blown out of the water. Mm. This is what I expect when I see a child actor. I don't expect It was much. very Little and House on the fine. Prairie to me. I don't <laughs> Because when they do pan over to the mom reading to Toby, Edmund, the uh, oh yeah, Edmund, Toby's, the, Toby's the actor. It's just you know very basic dialogue like okay time to go to bed and he's like no I want to know more about Shanty Clara, yeah. but that's when all of a sudden the there is a storm that's like the farm it's like about the farm in Edmund's mind I think the farm that his mom is reading about is like his farm that he's living on currently uh-huh. because there is now I don't know hailstorm whatever yeah, that's causing a... like the animals to like the father comes in and he's like I need all all hands on deck right now because the animals are like gonna sink into the mud because it's raining so much and then they need the levees and stuff like that it's like wizard of oz all of a sudden and so he get he wait the father wakes up edmund's older brothers to help out and then you know edmund wants to help out but he's like seven or eight and it's like no you gotta just stay in bed and he's like but i'm a big boy and i want to help but then it just kind of turns into like never-ending story to me where like the wind rushes in and like blows the glass and then he screams out the window chanticleer like come help me and then that's why and then that's when the duke flies in the grand duke flies in (laughs) so yeah there's um it is very wizard of oz reminiscent because the 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 whole idea is is from what i gathered right so the the farm is flooding because it's basically a massive storm that is coming on the tail of another storm that has not been ended okay right so like you know like the farm is already kind of like in oversaturated with water and now here comes another major storm that's that's causing havoc and so like he's trying he's calling for chanticleer and then at that moment you see the tree coming through the window you see him falling back and hitting his head on the uh, on the the wall so he's from all intents and purposes he is unconscious and this is all like a like coma a type of a dream like wizard of oz yeah yeah and, and so like when that starts to happen you see um uh, the cartoon duke of owls come into this real world situation he spits his cartoon breath on everything and he turns edmund into a cat because he's like well i could eat a human but that's gonna be tough to digest let me turn you into a cat so i can eat you then but then he does and then the entire well edmund's able to get away that's when like because Patu... Patu, yeah but two comes through uh, and, and, you know, magically finds him in that window and, and is able to get the owl away. Um, and then the whole world turns into cartoon because of the owl's breath. Yeah. So we're now in, cartoon we are now land. in dream coma land, basically. Yeah. Um, when you end the movie, it's him. the cartoon world is still like largely surrounding him and then he turns into a real boy who's unconscious with all the cartoon characters surrounding him because he saved the day but now he's unconscious and they're all like trying to get him to wake up and then eventually it turns into the real world where the mom is like hey you know 
Yeah, up. he's t- saying Edmund, Edmund, wake up. Like, the sun, ca- like, the sun came up and the farm is now dry. <laughs> yeah, now things are better because <laughs> the storm are, is Yeah, the storm ended. Because there is a point where, like, they show a cow that's totally, like, in mud. And yeah. I was like, I'm scared for yeah. the cow. Like a real cow, not yeah, yeah. not an animated real, cow. That, so that, um, that was an actual thing, yeah. So yeah, I was scared. So I was like, "How long was he out?" If the storm has now dried up and the farm is okay. Yeah, because the parents don't seem overly concerned. So I mean, but I don't know. It's it's weird that they didn't make it more obvious because I didn't see any sort of like bandaging on his head that I remember. I didn't like. You know, he kind of really looks concerned. sick. He just, yeah, he looked like he, looked, he was asleep. And like sickly a little, but I don't know if that's... Yeah, yeah, like he has like a fever or a cold or something. But it's such a quick resolution that... And then all of a sudden... And then he's like looking at the storybooks like, wow, I made like, uh, these are my friends now, basically. And then... And then he dances it. around the his farm with the cartoon farm animals, which I don't know, I, I like the ending with him dancing around. Sure. With... <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it. Um, obviously, like the integration of live action and animation isn't as strong when it's primarily animation. The owl coming into the real world looked a lot better, um, but him interacting with a full-on cartoon world that looked like bad, like green screen, blue screen. But there's something wrong with like the content of the scene. That's for no, sure. I I actually kind of liked it, even though you can tell it's like totally fake and all. But yeah. I kind of liked it. I mean, speaking of the quality of things, there's times I'm not sure if you noticed this too, but there are times when things were just plain blurry or jittery in the animation. I think isn't I don't it just it's... like last minute changes that they had to do or what? It didn't seem like it was. I don't know if it was like um. I don't know if it was just like from the actual source or if that's just like whatever transfer got put onto Amazon Prime that we watched so like maybe if you watch it in a different way you won't see some of that stuff it's tough to say but I mean there's there's a lot of inconsistencies in the animation as well I you know like in those live action mixed scenes the Grand Duke is extremely detailed sometimes there's a lot of shading on some of these character models and sometimes they just look extremely extremely flat you don't have a lot of that Don Bluth flair that we talked about before when we were talking about American Tale, where you have like the, I don't know, a lot of his trademark is like using like that, making things like shine and sparkle mm-hmm. and using the backlight to really like pop, you know, overexpose things and, and make it look interesting. There's not that much there. And they could have gone hog wild when they had like the Vegas looking cityscapes, but it's all very bland and basic, unfortunately. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's it, it, This was a disappointing movie overall. I wasn't expecting a lot, but what I got was just recycled everything, almost. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's a lot of the animation recycled from other ones. And just jokes and tropes that are recycled. Yeah. And, and the songs that just are repetitive and, and uninteresting there's nothing that's gonna stick in your head or at least not mine i guess you had the tying shoe song on your head but <laughs> that didn't stay with me it, it stayed for like two days and now i forgot the <laughs> melody sort of well that's good even like the i don't know but and a lot of the progression like we said is like it just doesn't make sense like the whole resolution for everything like somehow chanticleer is able to like grow well enough that the Duke of Owls, like, shrinks physically? Yeah, he does. This is, like, another thing. It's kind of like a Superman type of thing where Superman had to, like, fly around the world to, like, turn back time a bit. Sure. This is, like, he flew around the entire world to crow along with the sun rising. Yeah. Some of the tracking shots and the motion shots do look pretty good in this, though. yeah. But yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense even with the narration. 
Yeah, there's really not much else to talk. I mean, we, it's so we talked about the beginning, most of the middle, and how it ended, so I don't... Well, we didn't talk like, about how it really ends, which is, like, ten minutes of credits in a movie that's, like, 70 yeah. minutes long. Well, that's because, well, the Tying Your Shoes song, but then after the Tying Your Shoes song, it's still going for, like, another seven minutes. The credits literally fade out and fade back in twice. It... That's why I was like, what's going on? I thought there was going to be, like, not bloopers, but little yeah, snippets in between. Yeah, but have, no. like, characters dancing around or something. Right. I don't know. But no, like, it was, it was just, just really to extend the running time to make it seem more worthwhile. Like a longer like a movie. feature film, because it's basically an hour long. Yeah, without that ten minutes, this would be, like, a 64-minute movie which i mean fine that's why i was thinking like this could have been something that was released from mcdonald's like that that christmas movie we saw like it just could have been released as a one hour special thing on tv yeah could have should have i don't know something something needs to be different about this to make it better Anyway, in terms of awards, nothing, uh, nothing, nothing to say there. Um, it did not make its money back in the U.S. Budget of eighteen million dollars. It made eleven point six. Um, I'm not sure about international, but I doubt it broke even. Um, cast and crew, there's there's quite a few to talk about. We'll try to run through it as quickly as we can. We got three different directors. We got Gary Goldman, uh, Dan Kunster. Um, and Don Bluth, they all work together a bunch. Dan Kunzer is the only other one who doesn't, uh, who does separate stuff sometimes, uh, such as Tamagotchi related something or other in 1997, and also in My Little Pony in 2003. Don Kunzer also did the voice of the Rhino Waiter in the club. Um, Gary Goldman and Don Bluth have worked together since All Dogs Go to Heaven. Don Bluth has done Secret of Nim, like we talked about, Dragon's Lair, Space Ace. Uh, American Tale 1, Land Before Time 1, uh, Anastasia, Titan AE, and in 1991 he did Dra- Dragon's Lair 2, Time Warp, which is a lesser-known arcade follow-up. David N. Weiss is the writer, is Emmy-nominated for his work on Rugrats, Razzie-nominated for his work on Daddy Day Camp. In 1991 he also did work on the Carol and Company TV show. Uh, he's done All Dogs Go to Heaven, he did the Roundhouse TV show for Nickelodeon, uh, Sybil, uh, Shrek 2, and also the more recent Smurfs 1 and 2 movies. Um, a lot of a lot of classic actors in this movie. You got Sorrel Book as Pinky the Fox, which is not a good name for the fox, to be honest with you. I keep anytime I hear Pinky, I think it's the mouse, but it's not. Uh, he is Emmy nominated for his work on Doctor Kildare, but he's best known as Boss Hog in The Dukes of Hazard. Uh, you got Eddie Deason as Snipes. He he was in 1991's Teenage Exorcist, as well as episodes of Darkwing Duck. He was got his start in movies like Grease and Midnight Madness. He was on Punky Brewster, the Pink Panther TV show, and did a lot of voice acting like in Dexter's Laboratory, and also uh, as Pop, one of the Rice Krispies mascots for a long time. Um, you got people like Ellen Green, who is Goldie. She's in 1991's Stepping Out. She's known as Audrey from Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, she was in Talk Radio, Pushing Daisies, and also Tony nominated for Three Penny Opera. Um, a lot of Tony-type people in here, even though a lot of the people here are not, like, singing. Like, Sandy Duncan's in this as Peeper, the mouse, mm-hmm. and she has Tony nominations for Canterbury Tales, oddly enough, uh, The Boyfriend, and also Peter Pan. She is not singing in this. It's really just Glenn Campbell and maybe Goldie, maybe a little bit of Ellen Green. Yeah, Goldie did one song with Yeah, that's right. Shit, but it's like the King, of, I guess. It, but it's mostly like backup singers. No, she did that Kiss in a Coup song. Yeah, yeah, but I'm him. saying like generally speaking like Peeper and Snipes, they don't oh, have songs. No. Hunch doesn't have songs. It's just but like ancillary Patu characters. But has the tie in your shoe song and then right, that's true. And then you have um those bouncers doing their bouncer song. Yeah, which I don't know how many of them actually did their own singing. Um uh, Well, yeah. Glenn Campbell one and uh, Christopher Plummer did their singing right for like, the songs that they sung. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, anyway, Sandy Duncan is Peeper, Emmy nominated for Funny Face, the TV show, uh, and also Roots. I 
don't remember her in Roots. Uh, Golden Globe nominated for Million Dollar Duck, Star Spangled Girl. In 1991, she was on the TV show Valerie, which I guess was still called Valerie at that time. Uh, Pinocchio in 1976. Uh, she was in Cat from Outer Space and Fox and the Hound as well. Uh, I guess we can talk about Glenn Campbell really quickly as Chanticleer, Oscar nominated for Best Original Song for I'm Not Gonna Miss You from the Glenn Campbell I'll Be Me movie, which I guess was a documentary. Uh, I would assume it would be. Golden Globe nominated for Glenn Campbell's Good Time Hour as well as True Grit, the original. Uh, he has multiple Grammy Awards and also has a 2012 Lifetime Achievement Award from the Grammys. He was in movies like Norwood, Strange Homecoming, and Any Which Way You Can, but not a whole lot of acting from Glenn Campbell. Um, he was evidently pretty good friends with Elvis Presley for a long time and, uh, you know, was known for his Elvis impersonation, so that's sort of why he got involved in this with his longtime uh, musical collaborator T.J. Kunzer, who I guess is related to, to Dan. Uh, T.J. also wrote the vast majority of the original songs in this, so... I guess he kind of got roped in with that. We have Phil Harris's Patu and also the narrator, the dog. Um, he's Grammy nominated for his work on the Robin Hood movie, where he, uh, the Disney one, where he played Little John. He was also uh, Baloo in the Jungle Book. He was in the Aristocrats, Aristocats. Sorry, uh, he was a band leader in the 1940s and then went on to work with Jack Benny. Uh, so he's he has a musical background as well. Uh, we've already seen Christopher Plummer as the Duke in 1991's Money, and we'll see him in <laughs> several other 1991 movies as well. Uh, we have Will Ryan as Stewie, uh, which we talked about very briefly as a character, but he has done a lot of notable voice work, like Welcome to Pooh Corner, where he played Rabbit and Tigger. He's done episodes of G.I. Joe. He was on Dumbo Circus. He was in American Tale. He was in the Teen Wolf TV cartoon. He was in Teddy Ruxpin. He was in Gummy Bears. Um, and also, most notably, most notably, of course, was his work on the Ice Cream Man song in 1991's movie Highway to Hell. Hmm. Weird. Um, a couple other quick notable people here. We got J Jake Steinfield, who is known as Body by Jake or Big Brother Jake or whatever. He was one of the bouncers. He was Farmyard Bully slash Max the Bouncer. I don't think he did his own singing. Um, and then you also have Charles Nelson Riley as Hunch, the, uh, the doofus bird assassin whatever you want to call him um <laughs> <laughs> so emmy nominated for ghost and mrs moore is that how you pronounce that muir m-u-i-r yeah he was nominated <laughs> for that tv show uh also emmy nominated for guest spots on millennium and the drew carey show he is a tony award winner for how to succeed in business without really trying he has been in all other movies like all dogs go to heaven the pink panther uh cartoon lidsville and also longtime panelist on the match game where most people know him. Um, and he was in 1991, he was also in the cartoon Space Cats and he also directed episodes of Evening Shade. Did not appear in any of them, but he did direct some of them in 1991. Uh, and then Toby Ganger as Edmund, uh, the child actor, he did just a little bit of acting aside from this. He did uh, a couple episodes of Cheers. He did Tom and Huck and then Black Sheep. There you go. That's a big, big cast of people. Uh, we can move on to true crime and pop culture. Okay, this movie was released on August 2nd, 1991, which was a Friday, and it was the same release date as Body Parts and Doc Hollywood. So uh, we have the TV guide for this, and I was looking up ch kid TV shows that were on, because uh, like some of the stuff that I saw was uh, there was a show called Verdict, which I may or may not have talked about, which was about some prolific case about a guy who was pay paying someone to kill his lawyer, and I, and I was like, I don't want to talk about that with a children's movie right so let me look up some kid shows and on nickelodeon so i'm going to talk about one nickelodeon show and then a show that was on mtv and it may have been a busted pilot slash tv movie like i'm still confused by it <laughs> but i'm just gonna on nickelodeon at this time 
it was on at like 5 p.m. Central Time was Wild and Crazy Kids. And that only lasted three seasons. It started in 1990 and then it went until 1992, but then there was a revival in 2002. Do you remember oh. the revival? No, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, think I, I think I heard that they were going to try to make it again, but like, yeah, 2002, I wouldn't have been. I mean, yeah, attention. we're like 20 years old or yeah. not paying attention to that. I was in college. I wasn't watching. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't watching a whole lot of TV back then. Yeah, but Wild and Crazy Kids was this American TV game show which had large teams, usually consisting of children, children just participating in head-to-head physical combat. Which it was kind of like a. I don't want to say guts. I don't. No, because they weren't. I mean, some of the challenges were, doing were physical. Some, it was some like, of them were athletic in nature but it was i don't know it's almost like takeshi's castle except without all of the elimination rounds yeah i guess so it's it's also like double dare but not doing any of the answering of the questions yeah and it's not as sloppy all the time yeah yeah yeah, it's like it's that type of level of physical challenge i think that's a good yeah physical challenges yes so wild and crazy kids was hosted by three teenage co-hosts and I blew my mind because they were like 14, 15 at the time. Because when I look these people up now, they're like four years older than us. And <laughs> and I was like, they were hosting this when they were like 14, 15? Right. <laughs> so... Yeah, I, 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 I mean, we were what, like 10, 11 years old? At yeah, this time. but so you like, think we... someone who's like... I thought they were like 18 at yeah. least. yeah. So when I found out that they were 14, I was like, okay, child labor laws? I don't know. <laughs> well, but it was hosted. So the first season, it was presented by Annette Chavez, Omar Gooding, who is Cuba Gooding Jr.'s brother, and then Don Jeffcoat. Annette Chavez only did the first season and then was replaced by someone by the name of Jessica Gaines. She started in 1991 and then, you know, just did 91 and 92. You know what's funny? Like, I watched Wild and Crazy Kids so much. Like, I knew I knew Omar Gooding much more than I knew Cuba, Cuba Gooding. Gooding. And so, like, oh, Omar Gooding has a brother? That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Who, even though Cuba oh, Gooding... Oh, he's an actor? That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. But, okay, each episode consisted of three games, which, with one host emceeing each game. So the teams were identified by the color of their shirts, and the games just varied in style. They had to do playground, like, you know, red light, green light type games. Yeah, I remember there was, like, a giant thing of Twister. Yeah, a giant... Some of the games were, like, a giant version of Simon Says... The red light, green light, which they retitled it to Red Pie, Green Pie. Oh, and they where, had to get pied. They yeah, they had to get. Around. They started to turn. It started to turn into like a double dare where yeah. they they were starting to use like the slime and pie and shit in your face. <laughs> they did a cops and robbers, and then like a giant tug of war where it was like three professional wrestlers against the team of kids. Okay. Do you remember that? Kind of, yeah. I mean, I feel like that's unfair. <laughs> I don't know. Like, depends on how many kids you have on the other side. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't... Obviously, I could... I mean, I can put, like, a clip of some of these things, but, I mean, I'm not going to find the one that was exactly aired on August 1st, 1991. Right. But, yeah, and um, sadly, it's not on Paramount, even though some of the other Nick game shows are. Yeah, and the revival like I said before, was in 2002, but that only lasted one season. So I guess it didn't do well. And that was when it became Nick Gas, where it was Nick Game and Sports. Yeah. I mean, we watched some of that. Sort of, yeah. Like, that's when we did, like, our late night viewings of, like, Nick Arcade and stuff like that. That was on Nick Gas. Mm-hmm. I-, I love that show. I wanted a shirt. I have, like, a, a knockoff shirt a while ago yeah. because it doesn't fit me anymore. But I know there's, like, a whole bunch of legitimate shirts out there that also would not fit me. But <laughs> they they are out there for sure. Yeah, and the, uh, just, like, at the end, just like all the other Nickelodeon-type game shows, there were no prizes that were ever awarded to any of the players. Yeah, it was just for fun. Yeah, it was just 
like, yeah, let's have fun. I'm pretty sure the teams were not consistent throughout the entire episode. I think, like, each challenge had their own set of brand new teams and brand new kids. Yeah. So they were just, like, filmed whenever they could arrange to have enough people in the right spot, and then they just did it, and then goodbye, and then, yeah. Yeah, and then it was... It was only 75 episodes total. And I don't know, we you can't find it unless maybe it's on YouTube. Yeah. And then the other show that I'm going to talk about, it was on MTV early evening. And it sounds like what I said before, this was like a busted pilot. It's called Power Pack. And it's also, I guess, a Marvel universe. It was a comic. And then it was trying to be a show slash movie. And then they tried to bring these people into the Avengers movies. Like they tried to somewhat revive and incorporate them, but I guess it didn't happen. So Power Pack is a superhero team consisting of four young siblings that was part that was published by the Marvel Comics and it was first appeared in 1984 and it ended it only lasted of uh, 62 issues and i guess it ended in 1990 it's a team of preteen superheroes in the marvel universe and the first team of heroes in comics to feature characters of that age operating without adult super- supervision in 2005, the title was relaunched as a series aimed at young readers. This was eventually declared a separate continuity from the mainstream Marvel Universe. The team was four siblings, Alex, Julie, Jack, and Katie Power, and they got their powers from a dying alien called Whitey. <laughs> <laughs> A scientist of the Kimlian, I'm going to get this wrong, Kimlian race who transfers his, he had four superpowers. I don't know why or how he chose these kids, but he transfers his superpowers to each of the power children so they can save their planet from the alien conquerors known as the Snarks. The children band together as superhero team, the Power Pack, and then they would fight along with aliens and supervillains, and the team's stories were known to focus on morality, debates, and social issues such as child abuse, homelessness, drug abuse, bullying, and the ethics of using excessive or lethal force in combat. But this TV show... That was supposed to be for NBC's Saturday morning kids block. And for some reason it was passed and then it was picked up by Fox. Because it was airing on MTV. And it looks like it was only the pilot that was shown. Because it doesn't seem to be any other episodes besides this one. Yeah. But it starred by the son who was in Body Parts, which was also, also on released this on this day, is in this show. Okay. A lot of the other kids were like in Goosebumps and stuff like Are You Afraid of the Dark? Sure. Those types of shows, and that that's about it. I, I guess it just only aired for that one time and didn't do so well, and that was it. And into this is what where I was talking about before. In two thousand, the Marvel Entertainment entered into an agreement to turn at least fifteen Marvel superhero franchises into live action film, TV series, direct to video films, and internet projects. These franchises included the at- adaptation of Power Pack, and in two thousand seventeen, Marvel Studios revealed plans to. Tr- to introduce the power pack into the Marvel Cinematic Universe with their own film in development. And then executive producer of Guardians of the Galaxy 2 will oversee the project with the pilot being described as like a Spy Kids-like story. 
And I got this from hashtagshow.com and from 2017, but I haven't seen anything else. Yeah, it's like probably been it, scrapped all yeah. by now. But I did go on YouTube and there is, I don't think it the entire episode is on there but the intro is on there so i'll put that on the website it's just i don't know the the entire lore about how this show came to be and then failed is weird to me yeah i don't remember anything like that but i also probably wasn't watching a whole lot of mtv in 91 i mean i was but i don't it, it was only shown once i think i don't that's kind of like with these... I'm still, like, fascinated by these, quote, busted pilots. Like, they just show it once. Yeah, and, and then if it doesn't if do well... Yeah, I wonder if it's nationwide, too. Like, like, or regional. Know. Yeah, like, if, like, certain markets got these things and other markets did not... Yeah, I don't that's know. Highly that's highly possible in this day and age. It's And then there were, like, not, a, not enough people watched it, so it's just been scrapped for forever. Because you think about... I mean, and, like, even things like... TV talk shows like Conan O'Brien when he first started not every single NBC affiliate decided to air those episodes and it's so wild to think about like it's not nationwide but yeah some people just every market can decide their own programming <laughs> so like I don't know maybe it was just in, in my uh, my hometown and I missed it because we were a test market for a lot of things mm. anyway should we move on to rankings and ratings then yeah where on your one to five star scale are you going to put Rocket Doodle? Um, this is this might be controversial. You going five? No. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm gonna give this a two. <laughs> I mean, we we shat on this movie a lot during this. I episode. don't think we shat on it. We're, I don't, I was just, I don't like, think confused. we said much positive. No, I'm just like confused why it was made. I don't. You're, I honestly do not... I don't hate this. I don't hate it either. I'm just like, why? And I, like, yeah, I, that's... This, a... For how short it was, it was still like weirdly boring. And I know I'm not the target audience at this age, but like I said, I'm pretty sure I saw this when I was younger too, and I don't remember it, and I definitely didn't care back then either <laughs> if I did. Uh, on my 0 to 4 star scale, I'm going to say it's a 1 mostly because of the animation i wish it was crisper it's not one of don bluth's best in that realm either um but i mean i always enjoy seeing someone who's good at animation doing something and there are definitely flares in here so that's the biggest positive plus i like i don't know i like a lot of the voice actors whatever every movie's worth watching once would you watch it again no no <laughs> would you listen to the soundtrack no Oh, I didn't talk about the soundtrack. But I, did it a, release? Like, it did, did it, release. Was it a bigger hit than the movie? No. <laughs> it was released in the U.S. in April 92 when, you know, the movie came out in mm -hmm. the U.S. But the is only like 21 minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> because these these songs are like one to two there's 12 songs and tying your shoes is on it oh good <laughs> and okay. the, these songs are like one to two minute songs i know what you're getting for christmas mm. but it was composed by robert folk do you know who he is no you may or may not have talked about him but he did the score for toy soldiers okay which is interesting yeah, the like the the score was Robert Folk, and then a lot of the original songs were T.J. Kunzer. Yes, and Glenn Campbell sang his parts for you know Chanticleer slash the yeah. King. Christopher Plummer did his song "We Hate the Sun." Yeah, and then you had "Tie in Your Shoes" by Phil Harris, who is Patu the dog. I mean, it's and then you had the one song that was. Kiss and Coo with Glenn Campbell and Ellen Green. They all sang their parts. And then the Bouncer song is performed by the, quote, the Dom Bluth players. Okay. But everyone did their own singing. The 10-second bounce, 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 and then the yeah. ha-ha-ha, no batteries, ha-ha-ha.
If you out there want to watch Rockadoodle as of this recording in November 2023, it's available on Prime, Tubi, Pluto TV, Hoopla, Digital Rental, VHS, or DVD. As always, check your local listings. As for us, you can listen to us on all your major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. You can email us at 1991movierewind at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, YouTube. Just search 1991movierewind or go to 1991movierewind.com for the full slew movies. Next week. <laughs> You've all heard that thing before. Anyway, uh, next week we're going to keep on doing the, the family-friendly stuff. We're going to say uh, we're gonna watch Bernard and the Genie. That's on Tubi, Freebie, Hoopla, VHS, and DVD. We'll see you then. Thanks.